Hi there, uh, I'm Marcy Hamilton and I am the founder and CEO of Child USA, which is a national nonprofit think tank to end child abuse and neglect. We put together the best social science with the best legal analysis to get the best policies to help children. We are interested in ending child sex abuse, child abuse, uh, including both physical and emotional abuse, uh, and also child neglect, failure to feed, failure to educate, failure to provide medical treatment. This is what Child USA focuses on, and this is our podcast, A Voice for the Kids. It's time for children to be paid attention to. And what we at Child USA are doing is putting children at the policy decision table. Uh, and so I hope you enjoy these podcasts. Um, there were some of the leading experts and interesting thinkers in the country on the civil rights movement for children. Thanks. So um, uh, I, th I thought I'd start with a little background um, having met Justin in Georgia. And uh, I can't remember. Uh, you reached out to me, right, about the window? Well, actually, or the GBI, the GBI investigation. Yeah, I had emailed anybody I could find online, <laughs> national organizations, just after yeah. getting the letter from the district attorney that said pretty much nothing could be done, and um, and and I didn't really, I didn't like that answer. <laughs> and I, I I knew there had to be somebody, somewhere, some organization that could do something. Um, and, uh, and you're the only one that responded. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people who say that. I don't know what that means, but, uh, you know, it's a good I, yeah, but it was, um, I mean, my God, Oh five. Uh, not quite back that far. That would have been, it would have been 2012, 2013. That's right. That's right. It feels like it was 1995. Right? I know. I feel like I went to college with you, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you did go to Villanova in Philly, so at least we were in the oh, same exactly. city. And, um, and working on legislation, I pretty much feel like I went to law school with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know. I'm going to start giving out law degrees. That's kind of my yeah. next, uh, it's my next shtick. Um, but um, why don't we start with um, how, to, so I knew Justin Jennifer um, when he was, uh, you know, in Georgia and, and we were working together on this bill and I, uh, and then we get the bill passed and then we lose touch for just a really short period of time. And then all of a sudden I, I see this picture and I'm like, wait a minute, what are, uh, wait, who are you talking? Wait a minute. Who is that? So how did you guys even meet? Because it, it really uh, it gobsmacked me, I'll tell you. <laughs> it gobsmacked us, too. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, well, if you'd really like to know, you could read the book. That's and, true. No. Well, we, we, we're going to talk about the book. There we go. Sure. No, actually, it was interesting. You know, one of the things from working with you, Marcy, and also part of the process after coming forward, um, I was, I feel very fortunate to be at a place where I did some really tough, hard work on myself. Um, real ugly, not, not fun, really diving deep into 
into my life and who I was and who I wanted to be. And, um, and I think because of that work, um, one, I was pretty much living on a deserted island, um, <laughs> and uh, which enabled me to kind of tune out everything. But uh, right when I had said that, okay, I- I'm okay with being single till kids turn 18. And, and, um, and I was, I was good on my own. I was good with who I was and, and what trajectory I was on. And, uh, and then this woman came walking up a dirt road on a deserted <laughs> island. <laughs> and I was um, writing, I was working on my book that's coming out in two weeks. And I wanted to go to this island. Um, it's, it's set on a kind of a hybrid of Cumberland Island and Sapelo. And I wanted to go to Cumberland because I'd been there once years before just to immerse myself as I was working on the book. And so I slid into his DMs because we'd been following each other on Instagram <laughs> and for about a year. And I, I had no idea who she was, though. Just this incredibly beautiful, talented. And if you've seen any of her social media, it's, it's so positive. And, uh, and genuine. And I could tell that it, it, she was the one that was managing the account. It was so authentic. Um, and, uh, and I got this message one day that said, I said, I, thank yeah. you for the inspiration. You know, I'm, I'm overdue and thanking you. Your photographs are just so beautiful. They're inspiring me as I work on this book that's set on an island like this. I'm actually coming to the island in a couple of days. And thank you. So it was completely like, you know. So ambiguous. ambiguous. <laughs> I was, what does that even mean? <laughs> so I, I ran around and pretty much did as much research as I could to figure out who this woman was from LA. And if I was coming by myself. She was coming by herself or if she was attached. And, and um, I rearranged a trip. To the, I was supposed to be working on the vineyard. And I rearranged that trip. And, um, and uh, we met. Literally, her walking up a dirt road, mm-hmm. me with no shoes on, and <laughs> and, and uh, I got into his truck, and we went to have adventures. And that night, I sat down that first night that we met, and I wrote about some of the adventures because suddenly, the story was just alive in a way that it hadn't been before. And we just knew that first day. We're like, there you are, there you are. And after you know some of the experience of, of going through in terms of coming forward and, and that whole experience of kind of bearing your soul in front of legislators and, and everyone. Um, we were both just brutally honest. Jennifer's been through some, you know, just incredible life experiences and come out the other side and, and, uh, and I've also bared my soul to the world in my books. So it was, we're like, this is who I am. And that is amazing. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that is just an amazing story. And so, so Jennifer, you have uh, best-selling books already, um, YA or young adult books, as they're called, which everybody reads. Um, and so, uh, and you've also had movies made of your books. And um, so, tell us about this next one, which I take it has some of the elements of uh, your meeting with Justin. It does. Well, I happen to have a copy right here. (laughs) Um, So Breathless, which is out September 29, is my 10th book. It is my third young adult book. 
Um, it's, but it skews older for young adults and a lot of adults actually have already read it and are loving it. So that's wonderful to hear. Um, it's, and it's about a girl who, um, learns that her parents are separating five days before her high school graduation and or a week before her high school graduation, five days after the graduation, she and her mother kind of leave her home, her family, I mean, her father, her dog, her best friend, and they go off to this island off the coast of Georgia, and she meets a boy um, and doesn't expect to fall in love, but does. And it's a, it's a real coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. And um, as I said, all the adventures that are in the book were inspired by ones that we actually had. But what's really interesting, and Jennifer oftentimes doesn't like to uh, kind of really shout from the rooftops her own praise, but what she's done with the book, which I think is very unique in terms of the female character and and coming of age. And um, it's not a a young adult romance that's dependent on a boy. Mm -hmm. It's, It's about a young woman coming into her own and making her own choices and unapologetically messy um, hmm. and and doing it her own way and learning from her mistakes, but also really moving forward in a way that that is right for her, whether it be with sex, whether it be with relationships, whether in, you know, whether it be with the, the boy or the friends Friendship. or the mother mm-hmm. or the father. And it's, it's getting quite a, a great buzz in terms of, um, it's it's not the beach read romance. It's it's about uh, a young woman really writing her own story and and dealing with sex in, in a coming of age story in a way that is is on her terms in in healthy ways. And that's well, uh, it. That's sounds good. great. I can't wait to read it. And um, I take it that you all are doing a, a world book tour from the house in Georgia. <laughs> yes. So um, Justin's actually joining me for a couple of my events. Um, I, it is going to be, the, the tour is still coming together, but I'll be announcing it this week. Um, but there, it's about two weeks and it's global. And, you know, this is about the time that I would be packing a bag and I would be um, getting ready to tour the world and meet readers everywhere. And which is my absolute favorite part of doing what I do. So it's a little bittersweet because I won't get to meet readers face to face, but I'm hoping that we get to reach even more readers this way. Right. Um, so I'm excited. Well, congratulations. And, and I'm assuming that we're going to see this on the screen too. I hope so. There's not much I can say right now, but okay. we're talking about it right now. Okay. It has been optioned. So I awesome. think so much. Options are good. That's amazing. Child USA works year-round gathering data and conducting social science, legal, and medical research to identify laws and policies affecting child protection. This information is crucial to survivors and their loved ones, attorneys, lawmakers, journalists, and other experts working on these issues. As you listen to this podcast episode, please consider supporting Child USA by purchasing a ticket to our fourth annual awards ceremony, honoring heroes who have made strides in the arena of child protection this year. The event is on October 22nd, and it will be 100% virtual. 
Each $50 ticket purchase allows ChildUSA to continue its mission of ending child abuse and neglect and supporting survivors. Visit childusa.org backslash annual event 2020 to get your tickets now. That's childusa.org backslash annual event 2020. Thank you. So, you know, Justin, I mean, you really have been through hell and back with, with dealing with the abuse in your life. And um, I, I mean, I have to say that of all the survivors, I really admire your unbelievable tenacity combined with level-headedness. Uh, you know, you've been throwing a lot of curveballs that have been um, pretty uh, unfair and outrageous. But, you know, when, when your journey in Georgia started, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation basically um, did an investigation and came back in the state of Georgia saying that, well, all seven of these survivors are actually credible. This was very serious sex abuse, and it was by your um, martial arts instructor. You can tell us more. Um, but um, when that first came out, I mean, because that's rare. It is so rare that any survivor gets any prosecutor anywhere to either look at their case or render a judgment on it. And you all got, they looked at it, they investigated it, they found you completely credible. They said, yes, this is terrible. And then of course they said the worst, which is the statute of limitations had expired. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where we started to talk. But how did you feel when that first came out? It, um, well, you know, when you think somebody does those types of things, they, um, they go to jail. Right. But, uh, sorry, there's a car alarm there. Hope it's not mine. <laughs> um, but, you know, when, I, when the district attorney came out with that letter and, um, the reason I had come forward was it was really the moment I found out that I wasn't the only one. I think it's common to many survivors like to tell themselves, it's not a big deal. I'll handle it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not hurting. You know, I, I just can't dive back into that. And the moment I realized it was not only me and that it, it was many more than me and likely still happening. I, um, I actually drove straight from that conversation to the police station because it transitioned from, for me of something that I thought I could handle and internalize, which was ridiculous in and of itself, but a common you know, survival technique right. to then it was my responsibility if anybody else was hurt. And so when we got the letter from the district attorney, it, it was pretty crushing because how many perpetrators are out there and then you have the, the, this many men come forward and say this happened and these guys that, that came forward, they're my heroes. They, they, um, they were very okay in their lives and coming forward really disrupted and, and changed uh, at the time for the worse. Fellas lost their jobs we were accosted in, in parking lots and screamed at because the community initially supported the perpetrator, which is, which is pretty common. Um, especially this is pre me too. 
And right. so it was, it was crushing to know that this guy is still sending a bus to pick up kids from elementary schools to teach karate to. And, and the district attorney has said, there are credible allegations and we would have moved forward with prosecution for, I think it was nine different felony charges yep. per individual. So, um, and I, I felt as victim number one, that it was my responsibility to do something. And, um, and I didn't know what that was. And that's, I, I couldn't sleep night after night. And I would just stay up reading about law and different organizations. And that's how I found you. And, um, and thank God you answered an email. <laughs> well, you know, the, um, you know, I think our listeners would be really interested in the character of the community. You know, it's very close knit community um, where um, this all happened. And many of you are still living there. And I mean, I, for me, one of the worst things that I heard was that all of a sudden the community was attacking you guys and saying, well, you must be gay and what's wrong with you and calling you names. Um, and and you, you still live there. We do. You know, I've become determined, you know, we split our time between here and Los Angeles, but I've determined that sometimes when we hear that loud of that insanity or those voices, I think it's important to remember they're not the majority. Right. And although silence is saying something in and of itself, um, I refuse to let that segment of the community do that. It's, it's not going to happen. And I mean, there was a, a blog, there was a thousand, over a thousand comments on just how horrific we were. And, you know, people can hide behind a keyboard and say awful things. And, you know, especially prior to the Me Too movement, seven fellas coming forward in the South, deep South, about right. somebody who is an incredible community member. Um, and that's what folks don't understand is, you know, yeah, the, your kid might have gone through there and done wonders and it helped him in school and his concentration, but there are others that didn't. And, right. uh, and that cognitive dissonance is, is really sad, but it was, it was horrific. I mean, you know, I felt I, so horrible. Well, and, you know, I, I was used to, by then, the stories of the Catholic victims coming out and being attacked, right? You know, how could you do this to your church? And, but by, by that time, there, there was more of a, there was SNAP, Survivors Network of Those Abused by Freeze. There was an organization. Um, but you guys were walking into, as you say, you're in the Deep South, but also you're in a small community um, that let's just say is not liberal. Um, and, uh, how did you keep your balance dealing with all of that? For a while. Um, it was really tough. Um, you know, at one point I was, uh, you know, at a point where I, I didn't want to do any of it anymore. Yeah. Including life. And I had, you know, you gave me such incredible hope. And that's what I think is what's unique about child is, you know, it's, we're, we're not going to fix the problem, but 
there's a chance I could, I had a shot at justice. And, and what I've come to realize, and, and this happened very shortly after the community was just horrific in terms of what I could hear. Mm-hmm. But not long after that, I started to have people come up to me and said, thank you so much. Yeah. I was going to put my child there. Um, or the same thing happened to me when I was a kid. I believe you. And I think one of the, you know, looking back, if I could say something to somebody that's going through that just horrific time or tell myself something, it would have been that some oftentimes those the voices that are the loudest it's not the majority and it's not what you need to listen to. Right. But it was hard. It was real, real tough. And I think one of the only reasons I kept going was because I felt responsible for the other fellas in terms of coming forward and we had to see it through. And I don't like to play things I don't win at. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of figured that out. <laughs> this year, Child USA launched its first ever membership portal. The portal is a collection of books, videos, articles, and online resources, all intended to help survivors heal, learn, and build resiliency in their lives. It is the only library made for survivors and curated by CSA experts. Googling blindly for information on child sex abuse can be overwhelming and at the end of the day, unhelpful. So Child USA has done the research to locate the resources that will be the most helpful to you. Whether you are a survivor, a family member, or someone who works with children like a coach or a teacher, this is a place where you can browse, learn, and relax in peace. For just $25 a year, you can become a member now. Along with our curated resource lists, Portal members have access to exclusive content, including expert Q&As, featured art by survivors, and a video version of the podcast you're listening to right now. We hope you join us. Visit childusa.org slash members to sign up now. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode. So, you know, we, we, we decided we would go after, you know, legislation in Georgia, a window. And I mean, we had the best, this was the best story I, I had in any other state. That's for sure. This was a story of, I already had prosecutors validating these guys. Um, and they all were reiterating the same perpetrator um, and so they were all standing up together and they're all, um, and th- these are wonderful men and just, you know, down to earth. The last thing they wanted to do was to be standing in front of a press conference for any reason of any kind. Um, but except maybe Justin, who's the most, one of the most articulate people I've ever met. But, uh, but so we're, we're working in the legislature to try to try to get this bill passed and um well i can't remember i I know you remember remember the the was it the senator the female senator who said why she was supporting this this uh reform bill for for victims that was going to create a one-year window well we had one senator that came forward and said she would support it if there was no option for any compensatory or punitive damages and The judge could award a certificate, essentially saying that it was it happened, um, which was True. really you know, and she turned out to be a survivor. Yeah, um, and uh, and then we had one senator, and she was amazing, um, uh, Senator Unterman, and she uh, 
because um, we had gotten through the House and we couldn't get through the Senate. And she was a she's a retired nurse, and she she'd been through quite a few things in her life. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was the challenging thing, which I was not prepared for. And thankfully, you 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 gave me the as much as much of a heads up as I would listen to, uh, <laughs> okay, they're going to say all the right things, but this is what's going to happen. And, and which happened every time. Oh, this is perfect. You're so brave. We're going we're gonna to take care of this. And then we'd get the bill back from, from legislative council and it would essentially be gutted every time. But uh, to get the bill through, she actually stood up because she was uh, in the Judiciary Com- Committee and, and said to the entire chamber, that uh, she said, I, I might not be one of them legal eagles like y'all are, but when y'all listen to this in the Judiciary Committee, y'all all passed it through. And now you're offering an amendment. I ain't no legal eagle or no scholar or no judge, but I'm a mama. And if you want to know how to vote, you vote like me because I'm a mama and we're going to do what's right. And they still snuck in one amendment, but she slapped the others down, which was which was, we were really thankful for because yeah. if, she, if they would have kept going without her saying anything, it would have been useless. I mean, she was righteous. Uh, it was, uh, you know, and it, it's always the mamas out there that, that with the, the mama bears that are going to protect everybody. But, you know, eventually, you know, we, we get a bill. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, Georgia is not going to give us a bill in which uh, you guys could sue the institution. And that was the um, amendment that snuck in. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it was a vast improvement for Georgia. Let's just say that. So we got a revival bill and um, good against the perpetrator. You guys all have legit cases. Um, and, uh, in, and so the story is in all this statute of limitations reform is 99.9% of cases settle. They never, ever go to trial. Um, and usually the judges don't sit on the cases. They, they kind of move them along. Um, you know, they might sit on land use cases, but they don't really sit on these kinds of cases. And so, uh, so of course, Georgia is like no other state that I've dealt with on these issues. And of course, your perpetrator decided he would have a trial, um, which was... First of all, we, we only had about, what, 20 cases in all of Georgia because suing the perpetrator is so much harder. Right. Um, and no one could sue the institutions that were responsible. And so, uh, but, 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 okay, great. So let, let's, uh, let's go forward. Um, I want to ask Jennifer, uh, how was it from a wife's perspective of oh going God. through this trial knowing you know i know how much you love justin and want to be supportive of justin and this is his past you know that's that's come back so how was it for you well i just have to say before you answer (laughs) she is the most incredible woman on the planet and i never knew what real raw true honest love was and she's shown that from day one, but the trial, you know, we've been waiting for a trial date for six years and it'd been postponed. And I mean, six years since filing. Yeah. 
and trial comes up and it is the week of her movie premiere. One of the biggest moments of her career. So trying to, you know, how are we going to do this? One of the, the most, uh, one of the biggest moments of, of the past decade of, of my life or my life uh, and not necessarily in a good way. And, and the pinnacle of, of her career in something which was a film about mental health and suicide and just, a, just an incredible film um, premiering the same week as Trial. And she said from get-go, we, we will do whatever it needs to make sure you are set for trial, whether I need to do whatever I need to do, whatever we need to do. And um, we ended up, I ended up being able to make it to the premiere. And then she turned around and flew right back to Georgia with me to be with me for the trial. And um, Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, well, uh, Jennifer, let's take a little break then and tell us a little more because this movie did really well. What, what was the name of it and where was it on? And It's um, called All the Bright Places and it's on Netflix. It's currently streaming on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I wrote the script with Liz Hanna, who's a wonderful screenwriter. And uh, it's a very personal story. It's based on my novel, All the Bright Places. Um, and that story was inspired by a boy I once loved and lost to suicide. Mm. So it deals with, as Justin's saying, it deals with really hard issues for teens, mental health, suicide, and um, loss as well. So things that we really need to be talking about more and more with young people. And um, it's, I, I'm really proud of the movie. It's very different from the book in a way, but it captures, I think, the heart and spirit of the book and the story. It, 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 it's really great. I mean, I watched it. It is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, okay. So yeah, this was, was this the first time that one of your books had been made into a movie? It is. I've been, I'd had things optioned before, but this is the first time that it had ever come to fruition. And as Justin was saying, it was such a really profound time for us because because of the trial because of all he had done to get to that point all he had been through and then um and then all I've been through with all the bright places in that journey which was such a personal one writing that story which I didn't think I could write because it was very hard to write it it was very Mm -hmm. emotional for me because it was so personal Um, And also the fact that both my parents are no longer here and there's just all this emotion tied up in, in that whole, in all of it. And so there, and there was like the good and the hard and the sad and the exciting and the, it just, it was an exhausting time, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, you know, the, the thing that one of the many things I treasure about our relationship is that we are always honest with each other. We always have each other's backs. We always support each other. It's never a question not to do that. We never argued because we talk about everything. And so I knew that as much of a challenge as that we could have been for anyone, we could get through it because we we've already individually been through so much, but now we're together. So we're like this, like we have superpowers because we have this like super fueled love that we have. And so we're like, we got this, we got this. 
So, so the day that, uh, so when Justin was testifying, were you in the courtroom or did, or not? No, he, no. no, he didn't. He, I, you know, I think most of us, the fellas didn't want, didn't want anybody necessarily in the courtroom yeah. for that portion. It was really tough. Not, not because of, I think necessarily of what we were testifying to, because in terms of my case, that's out there. Right, right. But how right. horrific the defense was and the things they said, which were just so ugly, ugly yeah. and, um, and hurtful. Um, and, uh, but she was there for quite a bit of the other trial, the rest of the trial. Um, and, um, and it was, it was w wonderful. Um, you know, as, as horrific as a situation. And that's the other thing is, you know, not hardly any of these cases ever go to trial. They never go to trial. <laughs> Much less a two week trial. Right. Where we're sitting in the courtroom for two weeks, um, you know, and, and, um, and you're sitting on a hard bench. That's it. And you're, you know, and, and, um, and it was, uh, it was a tough, tough experience. What, what do you think about the, um, you know, I don't want, I don't want to say trauma effects, but, but the, the psychological impact to each of the seven of you having to go through this process. I mean, the two weeks is a very long time to be in a courtroom. Well, I think it was kind of interesting for me. I kind of circle back to this. Those fellas are literally my heroes because, and we're all at different stages of kind of dealing with what has transpired and in different ways, because we all deal with things differently. Um, but, you know, for one or two of them, that was really the first time they had said some of that stuff out loud. Wow. And, and, um, and so, you know, being able to do that in front of everybody, especially the perpetrator. And that's what was kind of unique about our case and such just horrific. He, he sat in on every deposition, the perpetrator yeah. and, you know, to intimidate. And, um, but overall to get up and to tell each of our truths. And I was able to look him in the eye and, and tell him what, was done, um, even if nobody else could grasp what was what had transpired, I know that he knows. Yeah, and that was, um, you know, there, there. That's I think what what it's about. And and I learned early on that I had to give up this concept of justice in terms of what I thought it was. But for me, and working with you, and working with child. And through this trial, justice for me is living the most incredible life I can, being the, the best husband and partner, being an, you know, the best father that I can be, and, and being a better man than I was yesterday. And so I, I'm, I've gotten justice, and I'm getting it every day, because I refuse to let not only what transpired define me, um, but let it break me or, or make me into somebody that I was not intended to be. And, 
And I'm just grateful to child because without your help and guidance and, and tenacity and perseverance and you know, willing to jump on a plane at a moment's notice, um, it, it wouldn't have transpired. And that's one of the unique things. I think also what people fail to understand is when the criminal statute is, is no longer an option to be able to get in a courtroom and in front of the judge, God, and everybody tell your truth. Um, it makes a difference. So, you know, so this, we won't go too much into the details of the case because it's still ongoing. Um, uh, but, um, but what would you say to survivors out there um, who are fighting for, you know, windows and statute of limitations reform, and they too may face, you know, it's possible they may have to go through a trial. Um, I mean, I think you've already answered it, but is it worth it? That's the question. Cause that, that was a lot of misery. Yeah. And, um, and no moment of it was fun. No. no. Um, but it was the right thing to do. And it's the same reason I came forward forward. And if it helps just one child not have to endure what, what we did and what I did, it, it's most definitely worth it. And it's, the, it doesn't matter the cost because it's right. And it, it, and kids can't fight for themselves. No. And so yeah. if, if, if not me, who? If not you, who? So I, I also think, you know, hearing Jennifer, we, one of the things we had in common, which was really interesting, is we both somewhat became accidental advocates. You know, I, I never wanted to be on CNN talking about abuse that, that I <laughs> suffered. And Jennifer I, had no inclination in terms of when she wrote All the Right Places, uh, what it would do for young adults and, and folks in terms of, of suicide and mental health awareness. And the number of, of young people that, that she hears from even every week that say, I was at that point and I read your book and I, I'm not anymore. And I know that there's hope and I know that there's another option. And one of the things that she says to just about everyone that she meets, especially when that topic comes up at, at book signings or events is, um, I'm so glad you're here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I started to get calls and letters and emails, I know what it's like to be in the depths of that hell and not want to go on and, and consider ending your life and, 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 and really contemplating what is this for? You know, because I had countless people that would come to me and say, you've done enough. Why don't you just leave it alone? Why, why don't, you know, and I had to evaluate for myself. There, there has to be some semblance of balance of, especially for advocates of the advocacy cannot become who you are in terms of your, your life because right. for me. And so um, I had to make sure that I was working on myself as well. But to tell those folks that I'm so glad they're, they're here, they're sharing their story um, because 
without those folks, none of it would be possible. Um, and folks like you, but it's, well, uh, you know, I, I mean, well, but keep going. <laughs> We're trying, uh, you know, going. Like you guys uh, in the house, but you know we're trying. There we go. Uh, but you know the, um, I mean all the bright places. I mean that the theme of um, young adults and teenagers dealing with suicide, especially now um, during the the stay at home orders and the fact that they're stuck at home uh, and may not be in a safe place. Uh, that message could not be more important. Uh, I mean, you're both heroes. Let's, it's just obvious. Um, so uh, it's just, it's a godsend that children have a way to get to those issues, right? Which they often don't know they're supposed to tell anybody about before they do something unfortunate. And they can look at that Netflix show or they can read the book. And it's just, um, it's just really uh, amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful to you for, having the guts to do that as a personal story. That's just thank you. Um, wonderful. I think it's so important. I mean, as Justin's saying too, it's just, it's so vital to remind others that you're not alone. Right. And that's- You're not. One of my author friends says that we are ambassadors of empathy, which I love. And, and part of that is reminding others that they're not alone. Yeah. I love that too. I think that's, and, and you uh, actually, you two are ambassadors of empathy. And so. also I feel like, you know, with the advocacy and, and working for legislative reform and just being out in the open in terms of being a survivor, um, you know, I uh, feel it's really important or I think one of the ways that I can be of service is to, to show or tell other survivors as bad as it is right now, as, as horrific as it is in the thick of, of what you're going through, it can and will get better. Mm -hmm. and, and, and just hold on. And, and, you know, you're not alone. Yep. And that's what was, um, I think, one of the things that, you know, when I, I felt like, you and then child were fighting on our behalf and the behalf of so many, I didn't feel alone. And, mm -hmm. you know, Jennifer and I have talked about it quite a bit in terms of survivors and the uh, higher rate of suicide and drug abuse and, and yeah. alcoholism and addiction. And, and so, um, you know, you have to really be fit emotionally, physically to be able to, to endure a lot of that. And it's tough. Yeah. But there is the other side, and it's possible. Well, so we are thrilled that we're going to be honoring the seven of you um, this year with the Barbara Blaine Trailblazer Award. And of course, Barbara Blaine was the woman who started the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. Um, and then um, out of the blue, had a heart attack at the age of 52 years ago and is gone. Um, she was just one of my um, heroes, but also dear friends um, who was, who saw her life in service, just the way you two are describing it as being empathetic and reaching out and doing, and, and actually pushing against the bad guys. Um, so it's the perfect award um, for you all. And um, 
you know, this will be the first time we ever do a virtual award show. Um, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's going to be incredibly hilarious, believe it or not. Um, you got seven boys from South Georgia getting on, getting online. It's going to be, that's an award. That's yeah. a, I'd watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is going to be, uh, quite funny, believe it or not. But, but also, um, I'm just thrilled that you all are willing to accept the award and, and to be part of the event that evening on October 22nd, because I think it'll really, really be special. Uh, and the, the audience is survivors, advocates, attorneys, lawmakers. Um, it's this really rich set of really wonderful people. So uh, I, you, you've been uh, at our event before, and I know last year, um, everybody, I mean, I, I go to bed at 10 o'clock, even during my own events, but everybody else stays up late, and like everybody's talking till like 3 a.m., and, and that's happened every single year we've had the event, so we're, we're still trying to figure out how to have an online conversation until oh. 3 a.m., but... Um, Thank you for all you do to both of you. And um, I just, um, Justin, you need to write a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you have had, as I said, one hell of a journey um, just in, in doing such wonderful things. And, uh, you know, Jennifer, congratulations on the new book. Thank you so really, much. Really, thank you all for the best. All you do. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there.